Hello and welcome to the Alien Gazing Podcast, the unique show where we dive into various UFO and alien topics while featuring music from a wide variety of underground shoegaze, new gaze, grunge gaze, and dream pop artists. My name is Nick Sedella, and I play in the band Sosters Over Washington, and I'm normally joined by my buddy and co-host of the podcast, Tom Schneider, uh, but he sadly wasn't able to join in on this one. And actually, part of the reason for that has to do with the subject of today's episode, which came to be as a result of the increased prevalence of UFO alien-related stories that have popped up in the media in the past two weeks. So to just get into it for a second, uh, our original intention for this episode, which is episode three, uh, we wanted to cover the Bob Lazar documentary, uh, Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers. But within the span of two weeks, we got so many UFO, alien topics being covered in the mainstream media, and we couldn't just leave it unaddressed. So, uh, long story short, with all the additional prep work we put into adding that extra content, we kept having to push back our recording date for this episode, and before we knew it, the holidays were already well upon us. In fact, you may even be celebrating the holidays uh, while you're listening to this right now. So, um, anyways, the good news is is that we ended up with enough material uh, to cover two, maybe three episodes But again, with the holidays uh, underway at this point, our schedules weren't able to align and we didn't want to go the entire month without recording an episode. So as a result, I'll be hosting solo for today's episode and Tom will be back for our next one, which is the one we are going to do our deep dive into the Bob Lazar documentary. So you're definitely not going to want to miss that one. But do stick around, because in addition to featuring some killer shoegaze tracks on this episode, I'm also going to be covering three fascinating UFO and alien topics that have been making their rounds in the media since the end of last month and the beginning of this one. And that includes the recent supposed revelation of a galactic federation that the U.S. and Israel are apparently allies with? Uh... What? Did I read that correctly? (laughs) We're going to get into it. Uh, But before we go ahead and do all that, we're going to go ahead and play uh, the first song for today's episode. So we hope you enjoy. And the first song for today's episode comes from the band Nax, N-A-X. They're from Buenos Aires, Argentina. And the song is called Redondeado, which I believe translates to redundant in English.
oh man that track is hot uh and you know it reminds me of like early shoegaze music and part of what makes early shoegaze music so great to me is that it's just purely noise and punk pop noise and punk just mixing all together at the same time and uh, i definitely like the the layers of fuzz is very my bloody valentine um in the track but also uh there's some noise stuff going on there if you listen carefully you can kind of hear just like some extra feedback which uh, I don't know. I just that's something that's just like an aesthetic that I really appreciate. But anyways, so uh, that band again is Nax. That's spelled N-A-X. Uh, they're from Buenos Aires, Argentina. So yes, the entire song was in Spanish. You're not uh, hearing incorrectly. Um, but that's one of the things I love about shoegaze too is that you can listen to bands from all over the world and you can't hear the lyrics for most shoegaze music anyway. So who cares what language they're speaking? Um, Anyways, that band again is Nax, N-A-X. The song was called Redondeado, um, and that was off of a single that they released uh, last year in September. And they've actually released a couple of singles this year, including most recently the song Desaparecer and Estrella Guía. They've also actually released their first full-length album this year, and that album is called Con Eleado. I'm doing my best to uh, pronounce things correctly, so forgive me if I haven't. Uh, but anyways, it looks like uh, f- from the looks of their Instagram, they are currently working on some new music as we record this. So uh, you're definitely going to want to check them out and give them a follow because just from what I've seen from their recent releases, it seems like they're pretty prolific. So uh, they've obviously got a rhythm going and man, hot. Props to them. That's that, That's a good place to be. So anyways, you can find them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under the name Nox Musica. So N-A-X-M-U-S-I-C-A, Nox Musica. And you can find their music on Bandcamp and Spotify and pretty much anywhere else you can find music these days. However, they do seem to release their music on Bandcamp first. In fact, I remember speaking to one of the members and he mentioned that specifically. So uh, Bandcamp uh, first and foremost for them and all the other music places afterwards. And with that, let's get back to the show. All right. Hello and welcome back to the Alien Gazing Podcast. As mentioned previously, today's episode is going to be covering three huge articles that have been in the media recently concerning UFOs and aliens. Um, Supposed aliens. We'll get into that in just a second. Our first topic, uh, our first article that we're covering uh, regards the the alien monoliths that have been showing up all over the world recently. The information regarding this subject comes from uh, an article written by The Guardian. Uh, So definitely uh, go out there and check out uh, their stuff. They're really good... um, uh, news publication. Anyways, so strange metallic monoliths seem to be showing up all over the world lately. They began being seen starting at the end of November in Utah, and now they've shown up in California, Romania, the Isle of Wight, and according to the latest reports, the Netherlands, Germany, and Spain. There was even some speculation that Banksy was the one behind them in something called Natural Element. All one word. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. But anyway, as they've cropped up all over the place, it's also becoming clear that their construction is not alien. (laughs) Uh, So 
According to some reports, no unrecognized metals or inexplic inexplicable manufacture seems to be at play here. Um, the National Trust said that the object on its land on the Isle of Wight seemed, quote, secure on a wooden plinth, unquote, and that it was made from, quote, mirrored sections of plastic or perspex material, end quote. And additionally, there is now an organization called and I, I'm not kidding when I say this. The organization is called The Most Famous Artist. That's the organization. They claim authorship of the columns, at least the ones in Utah and California, and is now offering replicas for the low, 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 low price of $45,000. Yay. <laughs> so... This has obviously been a hot topic, you know, all these monoliths. And by the way, one if you don't know what a monolith is, it's basically like, well, I can't speak for like what all monoliths in the world are, but just a giant square, a giant rectangle just kind of standing in the middle of nowhere. If you've seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, you know that the monolith was a huge thing in that movie. Um, whenever the monolith showed up, it kind of represented a huge leap in human consciousness. Um, and that's going to be important in a second. But I did want to mention something really interesting about this, which is the fact that although the first monolith was found at the end of November this year, apparently that original monolith was put down there in Utah in that random location at around 2016. I think it was August 2016. Um, so yeah, so that, that thing was sitting there for, what, four years? A little over four years um, and then it finally got discovered. So it's kind of interesting that, that that it's been going on for that long. When we first heard about this, uh, a lot of people were curious, you know, because if you are a fan of science fiction, you know that a monolith is related to 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I just have mentioned how it in the movie represented a, um, a leap in consciousness. So some people were speculating, oh, maybe it's the aliens. Maybe they're trying to let us know that they're here. And what better way than to reference one of our movies <laughs> or something like that. But obviously, as as time has gone on and people have taken a look at these objects, it's become obvious that they're not of alien origin. I mean, they're made from from materials that you can get uh, at any kind of like, you know, advanced craft store. Um, also, there's rivets on them uh, connecting some of the pieces. Um, and if you followed our previous episode or if you're just really decently educated on the ufo topic you know that anything that is alien that is quote-unquote potentially alien is not going to have rivets it's usually going to look very very smooth almost like it was molded perfectly so obviously we're not dealing with anything alien here but i did want to cover this and just say that you know it is interesting that all this because we're going to cover some other alien topics in a second but we also had that really amazing revelation from from the new york times that we covered in our first episode so this year has been we've had a lot of ufo news coming out recently in general but this year has had quite a bit you know despite all the craziness that this year has been it's interesting that we've gotten some pretty crazy ufo stuff coming out and we're not even in, we're not even beginning to scratch the surface of the craziest stuff that's going to come in the uh the third article that we're going to talk about but in any case the fact that this is you know i think people tend to think that the best art is art that is reflective of the culture in which it was birthed and also kind of serves as a 
an indicator for like where that culture is and maybe where that culture is going. So, I mean, whether it was the most famous artist or not, which it's probably them, it's still, to me, it it's a really interesting marker. It might not be a monolith in the sense of like 2001 A Space Odyssey, like a monolith placed here by an alien race to essentially prep us for the next step in our evolution or whatever. It might not be that, but humans created this, humans did this, and humans reacted to it. And the reaction showed an interest, potential belief in alien beings or um, that it was a message. Uh, So to me, what this represents is it kind of gives us a little bit of an idea of like the finger on the pulse of people out in the world today you know and people are definitely I think more people are in that camp of I want to believe um, than ever before and why wouldn't they be I mean it's it's a (laughs) it's never been a better time to be into UFOs uh, or the alien topic in general because there's it's being covered so much in the media but anyway that's that's pretty much the gist for that one the uh the second topic we wanted to talk about uh was this supposed leaked government photo of a cube-shaped ufo and the article that i'm using for my information on this is a popular mechanics article and the inform some of the information in it, in it is sourced originally from a publication called the debrief so anyway a leaked photo purportedly shows unidentified aerial phenomenon to me it looks almost like a dreidel actually some people say it looks more like a cube to me it looks kind of like a dreidel um it is likely that that an fa-18 pilot captured the photo while flying above the atlantic in 2018 on his personal cell phone uh the photo is said to come from a 2018 report issued by the government's uap task force so if you're if you've been following along with our podcast you know that the uap task force that they're referencing here um is most likely the uap task force um, mentioned in the new york times article headed by uh, lou elizondo So according to the debrief, the UATPF has briefed government and military officials on UAP matters for the last two years, and the newly surfaced image appeared in a report issued by that task force during that time. So I think the UATPF, and don't quote me on this, but this is my um, connecting of the dots, it seems like the UATPF is like the new version of ATIP, uh, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. But like I said, don't quote me on that. But in any case, what we're dealing with, this image, it comes from a classified or leaked uh, or declassified um, document from that task force. And uh, the author of the article uh, from the debrief, Tim McMillan, uh, describes the object as having, quote, ridges or other protrusions along its lateral edges, extending towards its base, unquote. He also described the object as inverted and bell-shaped. And uh, further into questions whether or not this could have been a weather balloon, we have the following quote. Quote, pilots who encountered the object described that, unlike a balloon under similar conditions, the object was completely motionless and seemingly unaffected by ambient air currents. End quote. Uh, The article then goes on to reference the New York Times article, Out of the Shadows, um, which is the 
New York Times article that we covered in our first episode. And then the final portion of the article discusses the relevance of the 2021 NDAA Act in regards to further investigations of UAP, stating, quote, The UATPF will investigate matters like these as long as President Donald Trump doesn't veto the 2021 National Defense Authorization Act, the annual bill that sets up the budget and policies for the U.S. military, end quote. Uh, so regarding that last bit, and I'm not going to get into politics here, but uh, the fact is, is that the United States spends more money on its military than any other country. Uh, so I have no doubt that that the NDAA will definitely get signed again. So I'm not I'm not worried about losing the the UFO program. <laughs> But in any case, more to the point, uh, so what we're dealing with is we're dealing with a picture of a UFO, or a UAP, if you prefer that nomenclature. But in any case, the thing that's interesting about this picture is that, unlike a lot of uh, UFO things that we've seen recently, of course, there is a whole history of UFO uh, photos, uh, some of them that are fake, obviously, but and there's some that are real. Um if you like to see some ones that are real, um, that are really interesting, you know, typically the flying saucer shape, um, you can check out Leslie Keen's book, UFOs. It's just a simple title, UFOs. In that center section, she's got some great uh, UFO pictures, um, and they're legit too. So, But in any case, a lot of the ones that we see recently, the UFO photos we find or the videos we see are usually of these balls of light. That, you know, maybe they resemble uh, a, a flying saucer or a tic-tac or a cigar. But we don't usually get what we get with this photo, um, which are, is, you know, it's described as cube. Again, I say it looks more like a dreidel. But in any case, we're still dealing with hard edges, right? Um, usually when we see them, they're more rounded. So this is interesting. This is definitely different. We've never seen a, at least... To my knowledge, we have never seen a UFO that looks quite like this one. So that's where the uh, the intrigue comes uh, for this. And as to whether or not this is legit or if this is just, you know, malarkey, uh, it, it seems legit to me. I mean, it's come from it's come from a report. We have some testimony from people who have who were involved in seeing it and what they thought it was. We had that quote from the some from one of the pilots. We know that this comes from a classified document um, that would made the rounds. Uh, in the article, they go into more detail about um, some other aspects of it that make it more legit, such as verifying its validity or some of the things within the document with people who have seen it or have been privy to it. So this to me sounds legit. And I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I'm definitely a believer. However, uh, that being said, that doesn't mean that I don't uh, scrutinize things. Certainly when like the alien monolith thing came up, uh, the first thing that I was looking for was, is it smooth or is it, does it have ridges and stuff like that? And as soon as I found out that it had ridges, it was like, okay, this is probably human. But in any case, I, I, for any of you who are not yet believers, um, I just encourage you just to keep looking into it. That's all I can say. Cause there's, and when I say keep looking into it, I mean, do your best to find the most legitimate sources you can. There's definitely a lot of information out there. There's definitely a lot of conspiracy fodder stuff that is just more like entertaining and not really, you know, legit. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. 
point is this is really interesting this is a really cool photo and you can check it out for yourself um, just go ahead and google cube shaped UFO and popular mechanics or the debrief and you should be able to find it just fine all right and before we dive into our final topic for today's episode which is if you're curious is the one dealing with the quote-unquote galactic federation <laughs> um we're gonna go ahead and uh, take a quick break and listen to another excellent shoegaze track so enjoy and this next track comes from a band called two cars out of richmond virginia the song is called glue
song was Glue by the band Two Cars. And actually, I have some history with this band. Um, my old band, the Grizzly Adams, we played a show with them a couple of years ago down in Miami. And ah, man, they blew me away. Uh, I mean, you just heard that song. Uh, one of the things that I love about this band is they, they kind of mix uh, shoegaze uh, and new gaze elements with some emo and like hardcore elements. And there's a lot of bands that are doing that right now. There's some black gate, like black gaze is a, a very popular genre for people who are kind of doing something new with shoegaze. And anyway, uh, I just like what they were doing. Uh, they've got a great sound and when they're live, man, they're just heavy. Oh, and it's so good. It, it was it was really, really cool to see them, and I still remember them. So anyway, uh, so that song was off their 2018 EP called Spun. Uh, you can find their music on Bandcamp and Spotify, um, and you can also follow them on Instagram. Just uh, look for the band Two Cars, spelled the normal way, nothing fancy there. And they want to let everyone know that they've been working really hard these past two years and they have some new music in the works right now. So uh, definitely check them out. Follow them. Really, really cool band out of Richmond, Virginia. Two cars. And with that, let's get back to the show. All right. Hello. Welcome back to the Alien Gazing Podcast. And uh, as promised, uh, we are going to be diving deep into the third article for today's episode, which deals with a former Israeli space security chief who says that aliens exist and humans are not ready. Now, before we dive into this, let me just kind of give you a little bit of background information. So basically, there was an article written where this inter- this individual was interviewed, and this article was in a in an Israeli newspaper um, or magazine. I'm not sure what what style of publication it is, but in any case, it was all in Hebrew. So a couple of other outlets have found the interview and I guess posted on it. Uh, the one that I found, the one that seemed closest to the source was a publication called the Jerusalem Post. So all my information on this topic comes f- primarily from there as well as a couple other interviews and things that I'll mention later as we go on. But I like to invite anybody if you are out there and you speak Hebrew or can read Hebrew and you might be interested in helping to translate that original article, Please reach out to me, uh, send me a message over at saucersoverwashington at gmail.com and be happy to uh, be happy to dive into that with somebody uh, who can read Hebrew. But anyways, let's go ahead and get into this. So uh, speaking in an interview to a publication called Yediot Aharonot, and I'm pronouncing that terribly, it's spelled Y-E-D-I-O-T-A-H-A-R-O-N-O-T. But anyways, the interview was with an individual named Haim Ashed, uh, and Haim Ashed served as the head of Israel's space program for nearly 30 years and is a three-time recipient of the Israel Security Award. And he explained that the Israel and the U.S. have both been dealing with aliens for years. And he goes on to say that this by no means refers to immigrants, with Ashed clarifying the existence of a quote-unquote galactic federation. Yeah, you heard me right. A galactic federation. Let's go further. Uh, He gave uh, additional descriptions about exactly what sort of agreements have been made between the aliens and the U.S. and goes on to say that these agreements were made because they, meaning the ETs, wish to research and understand the fabric of the universe. 
and apparently this cooperation includes a secret underground base on Mars where there are American and alien representatives. It gets crazier if you can believe that. Ished insists that Trump is aware of them, and he was on the verge of disclosing their existence. However, the Galactic Federation reportedly stopped him from doing so, saying they wished to prevent mass hysteria since they felt humanity needed to, quote, evolve and reach a stage where we will understand what space and spaceships are. And this was reported by that original publication, um, Yadayat Aharonat. Um, as for why he's chosen to reveal this information now, Ished explained that the timing was simply due to how much the academic landscape has changed and how respected he is in academia. He says, quote, If I had come up with what I'm saying today five years ago, I would have been hospitalized. He added that today they're already t- talking differently. I have nothing to lose. I've received my degrees and awards. I am respected in universities abroad, where the trend is also changing. Ished uh, provided more information in his book, which is titled The Universe Beyond the Horizon, uh, Conversations with Professor Haim Ished, along with other details, such as how aliens have prevented nuclear apocalypses and, quote, when we can jump in and visit the men in black, unquote. So let me just pause here and just let you guys know that this book, uh, I tried to find it myself and like the original article that this is based on is also written in Hebrew. So I'm going to say again, if you speak or can read Hebrew uh, and you're interested in helping me translate this, uh, I'd be happy to get in touch with you or please get in touch with me. Send send me an email over at saucersoverwashington at gmail.com. I'll buy the book. um, Just help me translate it and maybe we can work something out together. But anyways, yeah, so we definitely want to learn more about what's going on in that book. Okay, back to the article. So, uh... This is this gets more interesting because that was the first article that I read about this. And obviously, the first thing that I went and did was I went and, you know, look up, is there anybody contradicting this? And it wasn't until a couple of days later, but uh, we did get another article where someone close to Haim Ashed kind of gives us information on on him as a character as, as a human being like his character and stuff like that and about the claims that he's making so what i'm about to cover next deals with that article kind of like the response so yeah there was another article written where a colleague of a shed uh named i isaac ben israel uh who is a chairman of the israel space agency attempted to walk back the claims made by haim Ashed. He stated, quote, Ished went too far with his claims, which were published in an interview with the Israel Daily Yedayath Aharonot. Uh, but his seriousness should not be questioned, and his standing as a leader in his field remains intact. And this uh, all comes from a publication called the Times of Israel. Further, Ben Israel said it has become entirely acceptable over the last decade for serious scientists to believe in aliens as knowledge of space has increased. He says, quote, is there intelligent life outside Earth? Ten years ago, most scientists believed chances are very low. We now believe chances are significant, he said. But he goes on to elaborate, this doesn't necessarily mean that there's a galactic federation and they landed on Earth. This is too much, but much of the scientific community believes the chance of detecting life in outer space is considerable, not small. 
Uh, when asked for his own point of view, uh, Ben Israel said, I also think the probability is quite large. Still, in my interpretation, I don't believe there were any physical encounters between us and aliens. And commenting on Ished's credibility and his point of view, Ben Israel said about Ished, he said, without his capacity for long-term vision, you couldn't have dreamed Israel would be one of very few countries with independent space capability. But sometimes creativity comes with ideas that are not accepted by others. One of these relates to UFOs and intelligent extraterrestrial creatures. So in other words, he thinks Ished arrived at his quote-unquote theory invoking real information, including records of non-coherent signals from space, but interpret it wrongly. He says, quote, There is a lot of information gathered by Americans, and it's a matter of interpretation. Most people, including myself, interpret everything reported as natural phenomenon. Some people interpret it as something different. If you have a very creative mind, you push towards the second option. Okay, and that's the end of that article. So, whew, we're getting quite a bit of contradiction in these two points of view. In one, we have explicit mention of a connection between Israel, the U.S. government, and a supposed agreement with another alien civilization, which itself is a very bold and out there claim that really rests on the credibility of the person making that claim which is actually the case uh, with Haim Ashed. He actually is a credible person. I'm going to list off a couple of the reasons why he is a credible person. One, he's a professor of aeronautics and astronautics. Two, he's a veteran pilot and flight instructor. Three, he's a member of the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics. Four, he is the co-founder of the Israel Space Agency and Space Research Institute in the Technion Israel Institute of Technology. So, before I go in any further, so you hear something like this. You hear like, oh, there's a galactic federation and and they have a, an agreement with U.S. and Israel and they're watching us, but they don't want us to know that they're here. You, This is the kind of stuff that I mentioned earlier about how oh, there's a lot of conspiracy fodder out there in the UFO community. This is something that prior to reading this article, I would have probably dismissed as potential, likely, conspiracy fodder. But when you have someone like this making a claim like this, it's it kind of makes you rethink it a little bit. At least I did. So, and what's more is the counterclaim by his colleague comes off to me kind of like political backtracking. Um, you can tell he's really trying to toe a line between not completely dismissing a shed while also trying to make the case that what he said was a result of his quote-unquote creative interpretation about real events. Again, he said uh, he, try, he tried to write off Ished's claims as the result of his creative mind. So my question to that is, well, what sort of other information or other things would he have had to have had knowledge about for him to make such a bold and daring claims the way he did? I mean, he claimed that there's a base on Mars with both Americans and ETs working in some capacity together. He said that there exists a galactic federation whom the U.S. has some sort of an alliance with, along with Israel, and that part of this alliance allows the ETs to operate on our planet so that they can learn more about the quote-unquote fabric of the universe. Okay, so if all this stuff is creative interpretation... 
what is the real information that he's disproportionately skewing so badly? How does a shed get from, quote, records of non-coherent signals from space, end quote, to secret bases on Mars and the existence of a galactic federation who the U.S. and Israel have active ties to? And to this point, I'd like to also note that all of Ished's colleagues' beliefs on the subject were stated with relatively broad strokes. Or I shouldn't say all of his colleagues, but the the colleague who tried to downplay Ished's claims. Remember, he said that, is there intelligent life outside the Earth? He said intelligent life. Ten years ago, most scientists believed chances are very low. We now believe that chances are significant. So that right there... Just, just by itself. Forget the Galactic Federation. Forget all that stuff. This is someone who works in the space in a space agency, who's saying that a lot of scientists believe that the likelihood of there being intelligent life are significant. Now, granted, I- I'm not going to say that he is outright making that bold claim. It's quite possible he might have been misspeaking in a, uh, in to some degree, but. My thoughts are maybe that's not as likely. So going on, though, he does ultimately kind of downplay what was said and reaffirms that he doesn't believe that there are any physical encounters between our society and aliens. And this also reflects the messages we got from NASA, which was basically a restatement that we have not yet found life or evidence of life on other planets, but we're still looking. Now, in addition to this, we also have a recent 20-minute interview with the writer of the original Hebrew article, Renan Shaked, conducted by documentary filmmaker Jeremy Corbell. Corbell is most famous for his Bob Lazar documentary, which we will be covering in the next episode of the Alien Gazing Podcast. But anyways, in this interview, Shaked provides further support for Ished's credibility. Among other things, he confirms that all major points of discussion in the article, such as the Galactic Federation, the U.S. base on Mars, etc., that these were not mistranslations, and that Ashed really did make those claims. However, what wasn't as clear was whether or not Ashed's comment about a quote-unquote Galactic Federation may have been linked to information within ufology, or if it was information he had obtained from his awareness of this agreement on a more official level. In the interview, it seemed that both Corbell and Shuckhead seemed to believe that the truth is more the former than the latter. So we need to kind of unpack this. And before I do that, let me just say that I was really happy to find uh, this interview out there. Because one of the things that I also thought when I found out that, that the original article was written in Hebrew was... You know, could this have been a mistranslation? So getting confirmation that it was not a mistranslation, that it actually, you know, these things that Ished claimed were things he actually said. So that was good. That was good to have. But anyways, in unpacking this, I mentioned that it was up in the air whether the Galactic Federation bit could have been linked to UFOlogy. So if you're just now getting into the UFO topic, you may or may not be aware of the history that's kind of there of interest in the UFO topic. I mean, there's books, theories, supposed leaked documents. I mean, it's to be honest with you, it's kind of a mess because there's just so much information. And I really don't blame anybody who just doesn't have the stomach to just dive into it. It's uh, it's kind of daunting, you know, because nothing, objectivity is hard to find. But anyway, I'm digressing. 
Um, all that is to say is that within ufology, there is a supposed claim or there's a claim of a supposed treaty that was signed by President Eisenhower with the ET civilization. And the claim is that this this treaty allows the ETs to operate unmolested, so to speak, in U.S. airspace um, and to continue, to continue their own experiments in exchange for technology. So that's something that is out there, and that is what Jeremy Corbell and Ranan Shaked may have been referencing when they say that maybe this thing that he said about a Galactic Federation, that maybe it was connected to ufology. So let me just say that, at least for me, if it turns out that Ashed's claim of a Galactic Federation is more based off of his personal beliefs in ufology, well, for me... That's still pretty groundbreaking because you have a respected, credible scientist within the space, you know, who's part of a space agency who is saying these things. I mean, this this isn't your your drunk uncle uh, sitting across from you at the dinner table at Christmas talking about the time he got probed by aliens or whatever. You know, this is this is like, you know, a guy who potentially is privy to some high high level classified information so it 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 rings with its own weight by itself but you know that's not to say that i think that he's definitely basing it off of ufology i don't know i really don't but let me just go ahead and give you my final take and my final take is this the u.s has recently admitted to knowledge of ufos including the continuation of programs funded and utilized to learn about ufos So to me, the meat of that revelation is that despite all inquiries into the subject, the U.S. government lied and has been lying about the UFO topic. Now, I say that, but I'm not I'm not going to throw a whole bunch of shade. It is a pretty huge thing. And it's it's not something you wanted, like, you know, just dump on people just willy nilly. So but that still begs the question, what is the motivation for lying? Especially if the truth is that we really don't know what they are. Why not just be upfront about that? And do we really think that the government would continue to fund research into UFOs if there wasn't really anything behind it? You know, like, it's one thing to to fund something because it benefits you. You know, we do a lot of funding in the military because we we improve on our weapon systems and a whole bunch of other stuff, but you know, there's a purpose for it. So what's the purpose for the funding for the UFO phenomenon or the UFO projects? You know, like what sort of studying goes on within these programs? What methods do they use? What exactly are they studying and how do they go about it? And more importantly, how is the money that is being funneled into that program being utilized? Are they going out into the field and setting up special, you know, specialized equipment to study UFOs? Are they developing technology that helps to capture better images of UFOs? Are we trying to backwards engineer their technology, a la Bob Lazar? <laughs> so, anyways, none of this is to say that Ished's claims are 100% verified fact or that they don't deserve further scrutiny. They absolutely do. But what I can get behind is the idea that whatever it is that Ashed is creatively interpreting, it's possible that it might be based on something he is professionally aware of that could be 
much bigger than many of us can even imagine. So uh, with that being said, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and listen to our final track for tonight's episode, and then we will get to some concluding thoughts uh, before we end tonight's episode. So hope you enjoy this next song. And our last track for the evening is from a band called Tone Mirror out of Toronto, Canada, and the song is called Moons and Goochers. <laughs> song in a major key and then they end on that minor chord just a really cool effect 
correct. Anyways, uh, so that band was Tone Mirror, and the song is called Moons and Goochers off of their 2020 album Stars Like Starlings. So that was released this year. Um, so one thing I got to tell you about this this song is I was really excited to feature it. Um, I, w- I knew I was going to feature one of Tone Mirror's songs um, off their new album just because it was something that I uh, I checked out and I really liked. But uh, I wasn't sure which one I was going to choose. I was between this one and another one. And ever since I made the decision to choose this one, it has just been stuck in my head, man. Just playing over and over and over. It's a real earworm for me right now. And, you know, I got to say, I like having that problem because this song is just mwah, delicious. I love it. <laughs> Um, so anyways, uh, another cool thing about uh, about Tone Mirror is they actually share a member uh, with the band Slowly, who we featured on episode two. Uh, so basically that member is Charlie Berger. He is the main force behind the band Slowly, and he plays bass and vocals in Tone Mirror. And actually, they because they're in Toronto, Canada, they're actually in lockdown right now. Uh, so they haven't been able to get together and do more Tone Mirror stuff. But uh, both Charlie and the guitarist from Tone Mirror, his name is Jake, have been working on some stuff virtually. And they've been releasing some tracks uh, all throughout the year this year. So uh, the name of the band that they're doing that stuff under is Slow Planet. And you can find them on Bandcamp. Um, but otherwise, if you want to check out more of Tone Mirror's music, and you totally should, uh, they are on Spotify and Bandcamp. Uh, you can also follow the band on Instagram, and Tone Mirror is just one word, Tone Mirror. Nothing uh, nothing weird about the way it's spelled or anything like that. Um, so yeah, anyways, <laughs> with that all being said, guys, uh, make sure you check out Tone Mirror, uh, Two Cars, and Knacks, all three of the bands that we featured on today's podcast. Um, and yeah, music, love, aliens, flying saucers, happiness. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back to the Alien Gazing Podcast. And it has been a wild past couple of weeks. I mean, this this episode, you know, we covered all, all three of these these topics, but I got to say just as someone who is interested in the in this stuff, the past 3 weeks have just been just wild. I mean, it's just one thing after the other and there's even like more stuff uh, out there prior to the cube-shaped uh, UFO story being put out there. There was a previous one that was related to it that... Anyway, long story short, there's so much being put out there about UFOs and aliens right now. So, to me, what this is communicating is that maybe it's because of the the crazy year that we've had, or maybe it's because we've just become generally more open-minded... Or maybe we're just, we're so lost, we're just hungry for meaning. You know, I don't know what the answer is, but it's clear that people are definitely interested in in the UFO topic lately, like really interested. There's a real hunger right now for UFO information. And uh, it's it's actually really interesting. I just finished reading this book. It's called American Cosmic by, by a woman named D.W. 
Kapalska, if I'm not mistaken. It's called American Cosmic. Uh, look it up. It's a great book. But anyway, it's it's about a woman who is a professor of religion. And she is, in the book, she is basically making the case that belief in UFOs has kind of become like a new religion, a blossoming religion, uh, kind of like Christianity before, or Catholicism really, before, you know, the Catholic Church was established, before it, it was, you know, the Roman Empire uh, embraced Catholicism, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like UFOs are like in their beginning stages of becoming something of a religion. But anyways, she talks about just how people have just, it seems that a lot of people are more and more embracing this idea of, you know, UFOs being a real thing. But so for me, the difference between something like belief in religion versus belief in UFOs is with a religion, it's it's closer to mysticism in to, to some degree, you know, some of the things that you might believe in a religion, like something like believing like someone can rise from the dead or that there is a sentient, all-knowing, omnipotent being who looks out for you. You know, these are kind of like more mystical things. With the UFO topic, there is an element of the mystic there for sure because there are a lot of people who believe that interactions with UFOs somehow links to consciousness and that kind of stuff. But anyways, the difference is is that while there might be an element of the mystic or consciousness or, you know, f- spirituality with the UFO phenomenon, it doesn't change the fact that it's also attached to a real technology. Something tangible, something that you can be touched by. And if you listen to our last episode about the Falcon Lake UFO, apparently it's something you can be hurt by as well. And unlike, you know, miraculous situations that you hear about in Catholicism or even like, you know, demonology and stuff, it seems like these interactions are technological uh, in nature as opposed to purely just mystical. So all this to say that it's never been a better time to be into the UFO topic. (laughs) And with that, my friends, I think that'll do us for this episode. We hope you guys are having a great holiday. Uh, Stay safe out there. COVID is still a thing. So just make sure that you are just taking care of yourself, taking care of your relatives. And don't forget to keep your eyes on the skies. All right, guys, we'll see you in the new year.